Hey Life Canton, Roger here, one of your pastors. So glad that you're joining us, whether you're a first-time listener or you listen to us every week. Either way, welcome. I want to remind you that you belong, belong to God, so you belong to this community, and we want to get you plugged in so that this is not just a place you are, but somewhere where you participate in what God's up to and what's going on in our community. So fill out a Connect card, because that's going to be the quickest and easiest way for us to help you get plugged in. So let us know who your name, where you're interested in serving, or even just questions you have. Let us know that you're new and you are here. Also want to remind you that this is an opportunity to support what God is doing at our church, all the things that he is doing both in our community and in our church and the community outside our church. We believe that in the next 10 years, we are going to be led by God to reclaim our identity in Jesus and to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. So if you want to be a part of that, you can do it lots of ways, but one of the ways is to give, to financially support what God is up to. So go over to our church center app or our website to both give and to fill out the connect card but be sure to do that this week we are in a brand new series we are calling thoughts and prayers we're going to talk about prayer in the month of january this first message is kicked off by pastor john as he talks about what prayer is and lays out some really important definitions and kinds of prayer for us so give uh, that a listen and i'll catch up with you in just a moment Let's see what prayer requests came in from the church today. Open up Church Center. First request, pray for my job interview. Hmm. Yeah, I I remember what that was like when I had 10 interviews for Life Church. You'd think that uh, I was the next presidential candidate. I'm surprised they didn't ask me to do town hall debates with the others. Second one. Pray for my mom going through treatment in the hospital. Well, it's close to home. My my niece was in the hospital recently, and I know how that feels. But what do I even say? How do I communicate how I care for them? Ah, I know. I know what it is. Thoughts and prayers. Request number three. Pray for me. My faith is hanging by a thread. Wow. I feel that. But what do I even say? I mean, I feel like I don't even have time to respond to this right now. So thoughts and prayers. All right. What was I supposed to do next? Oh, hey, I didn't even know you guys were here. (laughs) Have you ever felt like that before? You're texting someone, you're on social media, you don't know what to say, you have good intentions, but all you can think of is thoughts and prayers. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and you might have guessed by now that we're starting a series today called Thoughts and Prayers. The challenge is, if we're not careful, this phrase can just be a throwaway phrase that doesn't have any meaning when prayer was meant to be a lifeline to God. And I wrestle with this as a pastor because I can't tell you how many times people have said, will you pray for me? Will you pray for this thing that I'm going through? And my heart is to genuinely do that, to follow up. But if we just have this phrase of like, I'll be praying for you or thoughts and prayers, but we don't actually pray, does it mean anything? Or does it just feel like a throwaway phrase? I mean, do we believe that prayer has power? Or does it sometimes feel like we're just throwing words at the sky, hoping that God hears us? I mean, if we were really honest, do we sometimes feel like prayer is a waste 
of time. We need to wrestle with prayer. Is this a powerful tool that God has given us or is it something that doesn't have much power that is me on my own just hoping something will change? Well, this entire series is built on one verse in scripture. We'll be going to other verses to bring context, to bring layers to prayer, but this is the heart of the series. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. So let's go there now to get started. A lot, of, a lot of text on that screen. Pray. Pray. That's it. That's all you're getting for the beginning of this scripture, okay? Because if we do a series on prayer, we better be clear by what we mean. We better define it because there's a lot of misconceptions about what prayer actually is. I mean, is it locking yourself in a closet and praying for hours to God? Is it chanting the same thing or saying the same thing over and over again, hoping that if you say it enough, God will hear you and actually answer your prayers? Well, there's some truth to the consistency there, but prayer is so much more. In fact, today and in this series, I want to define prayer as this. Prayer is dialogue with God. Prayer is dialogue with God, this unending conversation that we get to have with him. It's back and forth. It's sharing thoughts, feelings, and burdens. Is that a new thought for you? That God wants to share his burdens with you, his thoughts with you. I mean, we read about this in scripture of these people who are having conversations with God and God speaks back to them. Do you believe that that is still possible for you and for me? Absolutely. That is what prayer is, is this conversation with God. And I hope as we talk about this, it unlocks a whole new dimension for you. Prayer was never meant to be a monologue with God where you're just throwing your words at him and hoping that he hears you. Going through your list and checking the boxes and saying, okay, I'm done. Peace out, God. I hope you hear my prayers and answer them. Like sometimes we treat them like a genie in a bottle, don't we? Just grant me my three wishes and then I'll be done with you. Ouch. Prayer was not meant to be a monologue. And here's my biggest struggle with that, is that it makes us feel like we're alone in our prayers. We forget that the Spirit is with us. We forget that this is a conversation, and we think that we're all on our own. Prayer is dialogue with God. What was prayer meant to be? How did God design this? I think we have to go all the way back to the first chapter in the Bible, to chapter three of Genesis, because this gives us a very powerful picture of what prayer is and a model for it from Adam and Eve. Let's go there now, Genesis 3, verse eight. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, this specific text in the Bible is Hebrew poetry. It is absolute truth as it is the word of God, but it's a poetic writing. And so we are invited to have freedom and to use our imagination as we interpret what this means and what it would have been like to be there, to be Adam and Eve, to connect with God in this way. And so when I use my imagination to think about this moment, it makes me think of golden hour. Do any photographers out there in the crowd or even amateurs It's a photographer's favorite time of the day because it's two hours before sunset. And so you have the sun starting to set and there's a beautiful backdrop of colors and and shading that's perfect for taking pictures. And so this is the moment where the day is kind of on fire and alive and the, the heat of the day is starting to cool down. So I imagine that every day when golden hour starts to happen, 
uh, Adam and Eve get ready because they hear the sound of God in the garden. I mean, what is that? I want to know what that sounds like. The sound of God coming in the garden, saying, I'm, I'm coming to have a conversation with you. I'm coming to pursue you. I'm coming to hear what's on your mind. And I imagine like little children, like my kids meeting me at the door after work, they run to this, to God and say, God, I can't wait to tell you all that I did today and all that we talked about and all that I discovered in the Garden of Eden. And they got to share with him whatever was on their hearts. There was no limits to what they could talk about. And as they watched the sun setting and they had this amazing conversation and they walked together in the garden, they had this incredible intimacy and connection with God and with each other. Friends, this is what prayer was meant to be. This conversational relationship with God, walking with him, enjoying his beauty and the beauty of his creation, getting lost in conversation with him. I imagine they would just talk for hours and forget what time it was as they enjoyed this time with God. It's talking to him about anything that's on your heart. Nothing is off limits. But unfortunately, this connection that Adam and Eve had with God didn't last very long. It was broken. In fact, by the time that we read this verse, it had already happened. You see, God gave Adam and Eve the gift of this lush garden with all the food they could eat, with everything they could enjoy. But he told them to stay away from just one tree, only one tree. Unfortunately, their curiosity got the best of them and they had to eat the fruit of this tree. They did the thing that God told them not to do. Let's find out what happened next. Genesis 3, verses 8 through 10. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Adam's sin causes him to hide from God because he feels naked and afraid. Now you might be asking yourself, what in the world does this scripture have to do with prayer? Is this even talking about prayer? It has everything to do with prayer. Because in the story of Adam and Eve, we find the ultimate human origin story. Not just how God created us and where we came from, but why we are the way we are. How sin entered the world and how it infected even our prayer lives. But also, what was it meant to be? How were we meant to live in relationship with God and conversation and prayer with God? This is the picture. And it also shows us the struggle. Do you struggle with prayer? I know I do. I'm a pastor and I don't have this thing figured out. I feel like there's more that I could do to be intentional with it, to bring to him all the requests that come in to the church. You, you got to hear a little bit of behind the scenes of that in the beginning, and I'm much more compassionate when I'm actually praying for you. But we can feel that wrestling match when we get these prayer requests. How do we follow through with them? What does prayer look like? I think we struggle with prayer because Adam and Eve struggled with prayer. Their brokenness got in the way. They disrupted their connection with God and caused them to feel naked and afraid in prayer. 
Sin causes our prayers to feel disconnected from God. It's the source of that monologue with God because we feel like we're alone. God can't accept us because of what we've done. We're not worthy of his presence. So we're just alone in this relationship with God. Isn't that crazy to even say that? But we feel that. It's, this is a two-way relationship with God. But sin jacks it all up, forgets us that this is a dialogue. It causes us to feel like our prayer doesn't have power. It's just a waste of time. And we believe the lies that can creep in about our relationship with God. Maybe you feel just too far away from him. It's been too long since you've come to him in prayer. And he, you got to clean yourself up first before you come back to him. You might feel like that. Or maybe even if you tried, you feel like there's this huge wall between you and him, this wall of shame of the things that you did or the things that you wish you would have done, the regrets that you have. And it creates this wall of separation where you feel like you're not worthy to be in God's presence. Maybe you just don't feel like it. Maybe you prayed about something before and felt like it wasn't answered or God didn't care. And so you just gave up, said, I I don't care. I'm not praying anymore. And you lost sight of the heart of prayer. You gave up on it. The thing is, no matter where we're at and how we're feeling, God just wants us to show up. Just to show up. If we feel any of these things, the shame, the distance, if we feel like we're frustrated with him or angry at him, he wants us to show up with all of those emotions. Just come and show up just as you are. In fact, can we do that right now? Can we pause right now and do that with him? If you're a believer, if you follow Jesus, here's the truth. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. He always wants to be with you. There is nothing that can separate you from his love. He wants to talk with you. If you don't follow Jesus, his arms are wide open to you. Even to hear about your doubts and your skepticism, your anger with him, your questions that you have for him, bring them. He can take it. He wants to hear it. He's ready to have a conversation with you. So let's do that right now. Jesus, thank you for this invitation to come and talk to you. Thank you that you've prepared a meal for us with us in mind. You've made our favorite meal and you've set it on the table and said, let's talk. Let's have a relationship. Let's talk about what's really on your heart. This is the image of prayer this golden hour conversation around a table about what really matters in our lives. Lord, break down the wall of shame. Break through the ways that we believe lies about who you are and what prayer is and and the fact that we can't come to you because we're not worthy. Those are lies and we break them in the name of Jesus Christ. We come to you just as we are, as your sons and daughters whom you deeply love and you died for. God, would you forgive our sin? Would you forgive the ways that we have been disconnected from you and bring us back to you so that we can truly experience what prayer was meant to be so that we can pray all day as we walk with you in the endless conversation. In Jesus' name, amen. In the Bible, James talks about what we just did. And I want to show this to you because this is powerful. This is what prayer was meant to be. 
Okay, James 5, 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Prayer is not a throwaway phrase. It's not a waste of time. It's a powerful lifeline straight to God. It's a way that we can bring God's kingdom to earth and experience the will and the power of God. That is what prayer was meant to be. Now this talks about the prayer of a righteous person. Who is a righteous person? Someone who walks in right relationship with God. Well, guess what? We just did that. We just walked in right relationship with God by praying to him, by saying, God, would you deepen our hearts for prayer? Would you reconnect us with you? So guess what? Every one of us in this room has the ability to experience the great power and wonderful results that comes from engaging in prayer. He's inviting us into this righteous relationship with him so that we can help live out his will. So how do we pray with like this? How do we pray with power? Not ineffective prayers, but prayers that mean something that we believe God will hear and respond to. In what way should we pray? We're gonna go back to our key verse here as we unpack it step by step. Ephesians 6, 18 says this, pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. What does that mean? Well, in John chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples that the spirit is with you, but later he will be in you. It sounds like a minor detail, but it's actually ginormous. It's huge. The spirit is with you. He's surrounding you. He's influencing you. He's teaching you my word, but later he will be in you. He's talking about Pentecost when God gave the spirit to the people and they were baptized in tongues of fire. And there was healing that happened. There was baptisms. There was people that came to God and they spoke in a spiritual language to communicate the will and the word of God. There's this powerful moment that happens when the spirit is in us. He gives us gifts from him, many different types of gifts. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But the C.S. Lewis Institute describes praying in the spirit this way. It's praying along the same lines, about the same things, and in the same name as the Holy Spirit. By what name do we pray? This is a Sunday school answer. What do you think? Jesus, right? He is the name that we pray. He is the authority that conquered death through the cross and resurrection. Jesus is the authority that can't be stopped by anything on heaven or on earth. That is the name above all names. And we pray with the authority of Jesus. We pray for the will of God in the same way and along the same lines. We join in conversation with the spirit because he is in us. Romans tells us that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you and inside of me. So we have access to this live-in counselor, this advocate, this helper who is living within us and praying with us and through us for the will of God. What an incredible gift. You are truly not on your own in prayer because the spirit is always with you. And he wants to pray in dialogue with God. Now, I want to get specific right now. I don't want to wait till the end to talk about our action steps. I want to talk about them right now. And what specific ways can we pray? Well, the first one is the one we think about most of the time. It's intentional prayer. Praying in specific ways on specific days. These prayer lists that we might have, and there's nothing wrong with the list, as long as you remember that God wants to talk to you about your list too. 
He doesn't just want to hear from you. He wants to talk to you about the people that you're intentionally praying for and share his heart and his burdens to you as well. This intentional prayer can be powerful. But I think this is also where we get hung up because we feel like we don't do this enough. Are you with me? We don't pray intentionally enough, do we? And so sometimes we just tap out and we're like, well, I'm not, I'm not good at sitting here in this chair and praying for 30 minutes, so I'm just not gonna do it. The problem is that's only one way to pray. There's so many different ways and we're gonna talk about four of them right now, okay? Four different ways to pray. That's number one. Number two is mobile prayer to pray as you go, to pray in your car on your way to work, to pray in between appointments. Sometimes people call these breath prayers where you just, as you are breathing, you breathe out what's on your heart to God. God, I give you this burden of my mom in the hospital. God, will you help me to show up as my true self in this job interview? These breath prayers that we can just release our burdens to God and care towards him. And by the way, again, remember, it's listening. God, what's on your heart? What's on your mind? What are you feeling right now? What advanced words do you want to give me as I go into this day? God, I want you to lead me and guide me. So what's on your heart and what's on your mind? It's powerful. We get to hear from him as well. We can pray on the go. Number three is community prayer. When we pray together as a community, as Jared said, throughout this whole month at 12 noon, we're going to be praying together separately. We'll be all over the place around this area, but we'll pause and we'll pray. Can you imagine the power of 300 people praying at the same time? That's what we're doing together as a church community, a church family, as we get to pray together in different places, united by the Spirit. Now, this fourth kind of prayer, we just don't have the opportunity to talk about as much. And so I'd like to take this opportunity right now because it is a way that we pray in the Spirit. It's praying in tongues. Tongues is a gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has given us many different types of gifts for the building of God's kingdom. And tongues is one of them that he has given to some believers. Now, I'm humbled to say that this is a gift that he has given me. So it's something that I've learned how to operate in. In fact, during worship, I was sitting in in my chair praying in tongues. And I'll talk more about specific ways that that happens in just a moment. But the amazing thing about tongues is a spiritual prayer language. And and when we pray in English or whatever language you pray in that's natural to you, you're trying your best to figure out what you should pray for. But when we pray in tongues, we're praying exactly by what we should pray for because we're praying in the language of God. It's this powerful tool that we have to pray exactly what God wants us to pray in the language of the Spirit. Here's what 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says about this. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be mysterious, mysterious. Maybe you come from a church that talks a lot about speaking in tongues. And in fact, it felt weird and strange sometimes that they may have felt like in order to be a believer, you have to speak in tongues. That's a stretch of scripture in my opinion, but maybe some of you came from a church that said tongues no longer exist, that they have ceased and that's not a a ability the spirit has given us anymore. It's mysterious. There's all kinds of different perspectives about this. I mean, some of you may be hearing this for the first time and you're like, oh no, are people gonna start running down the aisles, barking like dogs and doing weird things? No, we just want to be 
in line with the will of God. We want to be true to scripture and allow the spirit to operate fully the way that he wants to, to submit and surrender to his will and to enjoy the gifts that he has given us. Because these are gifts for us to build up the kingdom. There's a lot of mystery. So let's talk about this for, for another couple minutes to unpack this together. We read one verse from 1 Corinthians 14. I invite you to go and read the entire chapter because it gives some very practical, helpful advice and instructions for operating in this specific gift. 1 Corinthians 14. Prayer in tongues is a private thing that we do with God. And I mentioned that I was doing that during the worship time where it's just me feeling the spirit moving me and praying. I have self-control, which is the fruit of the spirit, but the spirit is as in partnership with me, praying through me in the language of the spirit. And so um, that's a private moment. None of you knew I was doing that. It's not about me. It's not about the moment. It's just about you and God as that scripture talked about. But then there is also a public expression of praying in tongues. And this is what 1 Corinthians 14 is very clear about, that there must be an interpreter because tongues is a communication between you and God. And if you don't have an interpreter, then people are gonna be confused. God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. And so as we pray in tongues and someone interprets it, now it can be beneficial to the people who are listening. So we only speak publicly in tongues if there is an interpreter. If you have questions about this, we'd love to talk with you, Jared and I, to just learn from you and and grow together in understanding this. In fact, I give you that invitation for any of this because, as I said, this is a gift that I have. So I'm always willing to learn and grow and hear from you as well. So let's have a conversation if this is something you want to learn more about. Also, in terms of all the spiritual gifts, we have a course called Advance in our Life Journey courses that will help you discover what your top three spiritual gifts are. So this is a great opportunity to really discover how God has gifted you and wired you. And so I encourage you to go sign up. There's an iPad on the wall. You can sign up for the Life Journey courses. Advance is our third course. So you can walk through those and grow in understanding what your spiritual gifts are. Okay, It's it's a powerful opportunity to learn that. We talked about what is prayer. We talked about specific ways to pray. But when should we pray? Let's go back to our key verse here. Pray in the Spirit at all times, not just at specific times and specific ways, but at all times. We're invited to pray all day as we walk with God, just like Adam and Eve did in conversation. God is always open to our prayers. He doesn't have a closed sign on the back of his door, okay? He's always open to our prayers. He wants to talk to us at any moment. And these conversations never end. You know, the ones that you have with your best friend or your spouse where, you know, you might get interrupted by someone in the conversation and you just pick up where you left off. That's the kind of conversation God wants to have with you and with me. This ongoing, never ending conversation. In fact, sometimes we think a prayer is done when we say amen, right? Like, okay, we prayed the thing. We went through our list. Now we're going to say amen. We're going to do the next thing. The problem is that's not what amen means. This is what amen means. So be it. To be sure, I agree. I agree. Now, when I think about this, I think about our brothers and sisters of color in the room. When we're having a conversation, when we're preaching, what do you love to say to respond? Amen, right? Amen. I'm not done preaching. Are you allowed to say amen yet? Absolutely. Because amen is not I'm done. It means I agree. I'm with you. And I love when, when we have a conversation because this isn't just a conversation with God. It's a conversation with each other. 
So please talk back to me. Let's, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about how we can agree and live this out together. Amen? All right. <laughs> Amen is a statement of confident partnership. A statement of confident partnership. Now, this is what blogger Alex Rowe says about this. I love this. Listen, when we pray and say amen with others, the implication of the word is that we bind ourselves to one another and together commit to living in such a way that takes seriously the partnership we share with God. When we say amen, after we have cried out to God that, injust, that justice be accomplished through the world, we challenge ourselves to take responsibility to fight injustice in our own lives. When we say amen after we have interceded for governments and their leaders, we call upon ourselves to live as good citizens with all the responsibilities as well as privileges that involves. When we say amen after we have asked God to heal and bring wholeness to our sick friends, maybe we ought to visit them and offer to lay hands and pray for them in person. I love how Alex is calling us to action with our prayers. It's not just this meaningless saying of words. It's involving our action. It's involving our bodies. It's involving our intentionality to be able to like release these prayers to God, but then also be a part of answering our own prayers. You can be the answer to your own prayer as we get involved in, in allowing us to partner with God to see him answer those prayers. I saw an explosion of thoughts and prayers type responses in the racial injustice that we experienced as a country in 2020 and beyond. Good meaning, you know, trying to respond, trying to, sh to share our concern with what was happening, but just not knowing what to do or how to respond. So just slapping this label of thoughts and prayers on the heartbreaking things that were happening to us as a nation and as individuals. Maybe instead of slapping a prayer on something, we should wrestle with it. Maybe our prayers can be birthed out of our wrestling. Maybe as we get to know people who are different than us, we can understand more about the struggle that they're going through and their history and their story. And we can join them and link arms in prayer together as we intercede, as we lament to God and say, God, we don't want this to be this way. We cry out to you for transformation. We cry out that you would turn our hate into love. We cry out that we can be brothers and sisters and live alongside each other. May this be the cry of our church, a multi-ethnic expression of the people of God together side by side. This is what he is calling us to do. This is what amen means, a confident partnership together. And some of that involves lamenting our hearts breaking about what we're seeing and coming to God and offering that up to him together as powerful to know that you are not alone in these prayers, but we are linking arms together as one. This is what scripture is teaching us to do. Now we've talked about what prayer is, how to pray. How often should we pray? Let's go back to our verse again. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion, on every occasion. God cares about all of our needs, the big ones and the small ones. I think sometimes we think if we have a, a small request to God that it doesn't matter or doesn't have as much weight as someone else's big request. No, God cares about what you care about. 
If it matters to you, it matters to him. And no prayers are too small for him. No prayers are too big for him. He is the most powerful in the universe. So he can handle the weight of your heavy prayers as well. He is there to meet you. In fact, he knows every detail of your life. He knows exactly how many hairs are on your head or lack thereof in Jared's case, all right? Jared's got about five hairs on his head, so it doesn't take God very long to count those. Uh, he told me I could say this, so. Um, but the truth is God knows. The scripture says that he knows how many hairs are on your head. That's how much he cares about you. He cares about the details of your life. What if we could develop a prayer reflex? When I think about a reflex, I think about if I touch a hot stove and my hand just moves off of it, what's happening? Your spinal cord is actually telling your hand to move before your brain tells you to move. In fact, sometimes we're like, whoa, how did my hand get up there? You know, because it's just your body responding to this stimulus that is telling you danger. Move your hand. What if prayer was a reflex like that? Instead of saying, hey, we should stop and pray about this. We're already praying about this because we know that that's how we want to respond. That it's this confident partnership together and with God about bringing everything that we're experiencing to him and surrendering it to him and being a part of answering our prayers together. That's powerful. The early church had a prayer reflex like this. Whenever scripture talks about the early church and expresses that kind of community that they experienced, it talks about how they were united in prayer. In fact, let's check out one of those verses, Acts 2, 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, which we're going to do today, communion, celebrate communion together. And here it is, and to what? To prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. What does that mean, devoted? In the original language, it means to continue constantly. But there is no break. We're praying all day. We're, we're continuing to be devoted together. Even when we're not here in, spirit, in, in person, we're united in spirit together as we pray for the will of God to happen. It's this prayer reflex that the community had developed together. Like Canton, what if we could be known as a people with a prayer reflex? What if that was our first response to whatever we experienced? That's my prayer for us throughout this month. That God will transform the way that we pray, that he will move it from this monologue, this meaningless thing to something that's very powerful. It's a lifeline to heaven. That he would transform it from a monologue to an endless dialogue with him. Amen? that he would transform prayer from a waste of time to a powerful lifeline that has great power and produces wonderful results, amen? And from thoughts and prayers to confident partnership, amen? That's what he is calling us to. And throughout this month, we have this opportunity to pray at different times in different places at at 12 o'clock noon every day. But when we gather on Sundays, we have this moment that we get to pray together. And we get to join arms and pray while we're, we're here in person. And so David is going to come up and play some music behind the scenes. And I want to invite us to pray right now together. I want you to pick one or two people around you and pray for our church. Pray for this month of prayer, that we would grow in our ability to, to practice those different types of prayer 
and go where God is leading us as we exercise this muscle and get stronger in prayer, okay? So I'm gonna pray to kick us off and then, then you can uh, gather with those around you and pray for a couple minutes, okay? God, thank you for this incredible invitation to walking with you in conversational intimacy. God, to know that prayer is not just us trying to muscle through and tell you what's on our minds, but it's this conversation with you. We want to hear what's on your heart as well. We want to learn how to listen and hear your voice. We want to learn how to carry the burdens that you carry and learn how to partner with you to be an answer to our own prayers. God, would you develop this prayer reflex through us and in our church so that we can pray all day in constant dialogue with you. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And I'm not going to say amen because we're not done, okay? Uh, So what I want you to do is gather with one to two people around you and take a couple minutes right now to pray for each other, to pray for our church, okay? We'll let you know when it's time to wrap up, but go for it. For those of you still praying, just continue to keep on praying. You can tune me out if you need to. Um, For those of you who are kind of coming out of your prayer, um, I'm so grateful that John is uh, encouraging this as we begin this new year. 
We have a God who can hear what I'm saying, who can hear what you're saying, and all of the other groups of people praying right now. God can hear you. He is with you. He loves you deeply. I also love uh, a little bit about what John said um, in such a caring, compassionate way about the hairs on my head. There are more than five, I will say. But on a more serious note, I love that quote uh, from the blogger that he mentioned, that prayer leads to something, that thoughts and prayers aren't just an idea, uh, a concept, but that they lead to action where there is injustice. And he mentioned uh, the ways in which the thoughts and prayers had become a throwaway, even more so in 2020, 2021, uh, with the increased racial injustice in our nation, in our communities. And so sometimes prayer turns into lament as well. Times to weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. And this hits close to home even more so just in this last week where there's already in 2024 another school shooting in Perry, Iowa, where my nephew goes to school. Unfortunately, he wasn't at school for the first period when this unfolded, but yet another story of violence and also the follow-up news of thoughts and prayers. And yet somehow we balance that. Prayer is powerful, as John said. We need to pray at all times and on every occasion for every event that unfolds, even the ones that we lament. And if we are listening to God, God will move us to action, actions of justice, actions of peacemaking. I think it's interesting that we're about to participate in a meal that we've done for 2,000 years across the globe. And it's this one thing that we do in the church that perfectly balances this incredibly violent, lamenting act of the cross of Christ and yet celebrates our new life as a result of it. It's a perfect balance. And it seems like a paradox. And yet it's the thing that you and I do. We take this meal to remember that we hold the pain and the joy in a balance. And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body which is given to you. Take and eat. Do this to remember me. And in the same way, he took the cup and after he had given thanks, he gave gratitude on the same day that he was about to be betrayed. He gave it to all of his disciples, even the one that was going to betray him and turn him over into the hands of violence. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. There's no more hiding anymore. You can come to him. Do this to remember me. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that message. I hope that if you needed clarity on prayer that you have it. I think Pastor John showed us really what the heart of prayer is and some of the different ways that we can pray. I would encourage you, you heard Jared introduce communion or the Lord's Supper at the end of that message. I would encourage you to find a moment by yourself uh, after listening to this podcast to practice the Lord's Supper um, by taking some bread and juice or wine and reflecting on 
either what Pastor John talked about in the message or just how Jesus has changed your life and what he's done for you. It's a great thing to do, not just in community, but uh, to do sometimes in solitude and to make time and space for moments like that. So I encourage you to do that. If there's anything that you need encouragement for, support for, whether it's prayer or just someone to talk to or, or listen to, we want to encourage you to reach out to us so that we can encourage and support you as a brother and sister in Christ. You can indicate that you need support on a Connect card, and we would love to reach out. So please take advantage of the opportunity. But I hope you have a wonderful week post-holidays as we're getting back into the swing of things, and we'll see you again real soon next week. Bye.